Thank you for listening to Comics for Fun and Profit. This is Drew with a special episode of my other podcast that I co-host regularly. And uh, it's Weekly Comic Spotlight over at John Mayo's comic book page. And uh, for those of you who haven't heard it, I wanted to give you a chance to listen to it. It's a standard review show of uh, a Marvel, a DC, and an independent comic. Uh, each week. So uh, check this out. And if you like it, go over there and subscribe or check out uh, those those episodes. They're a lot of fun. So thanks again for listening. Um, here you go. Now starting us off in DC is Mystic U. This is a three issue, I believe, uh, miniseries that's bi-monthly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, that's interesting. Other thing that's kind of interesting about it, and I hadn't really factored this in when we uh when we picked it it's a 599 book and people are wondering it's like ah oh, i'd have gotten it anyways and yeah i would have gotten it anyways for a couple of reasons but that 599 uh is an indicator of a much longer page count than average yeah and yeah. i hadn't really factored that in on my reading time so it was uh you know i'm starting to read it and it's like this is this is a heavier book it is written by um See, Elisa Quitney, who's a name I don't recognize. Art is by Mike Norton, which is a name I, name I absolutely recognize. He's an awesome guy, terrific artist. Uh, so getting an extra-length book by him, very pleased on that. Um, if I had to sum up this title with a, a high-pitch kind of a concept or whatever, uh, Mystic U is, is essentially it's DC's Hogwarts. Yep, um, very much so. And, I don't mean that in a derivative, geez, they couldn't come up with anything original way. It's just the closest analog. And it's, I I couldn't tell what years it covers. Um, it looked like it was more of a, a college sort of a thing. Well, Mystic University, go figure, definitely college. Whereas uh, Hogwarts seemed to be kind of where you would go before coming here, maybe. Yeah, it was interesting because it was... Po- the the malevolence 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 uh, event that we were going away from seven years in the past. We're not sure if that's uh, current. I'm assuming that's current DC time. So seven years before present, right? Uh, that's what I took it as. Okay. And I thought starting off with a retcon like that, fascinating approach. And it kind of sets the stakes of this is such a big deal. The heroes didn't even survive it the first time. And it kind of, kind of loose as to exactly what's going on, what the malevolence is, who the malevolence is or whatever. But it comes out that the characters don't even know. They've narrowed it, it down. Yeah. <laughs> they think they've it's narrowed one, it down. It's yeah. one of these new students. Yes. You know? Um, and I actually have a theory as to who it is. Uh, but we'll get to that in a, a few minutes. I was, I was surprised how many parallels I could draw between this and the Harry Potter stuff. You got the various teachers, the prophecies of things to come. So it's not arguably the most original of concepts, but man, they nailed it on the execution. Hey, I like Harry Potter, and uh, this has that, that same too. that same fun spirit to it, and uh, uh, so that that can work. Yeah, if you're gonna gonna kind of borrow from from something, borrowing from one of the most successful series of books in recent history, not a bad idea. Nope. And I think they avoided some of the pitfalls of the Harry Potter stuff because if you go back to the first book, there was a lot of Owen, oh, so and so get demerits of so many points for their house, and it's like, what does that all wind up being? It's all kind of meaningless, whatever. 
none of that, but you get the coolness of they're at a school for magic, what does that entail, who are these characters, and none of the uh, almost false, uh, fake kind of conflict and, and, and whatnot of the, the sorting hat, the different houses. And I mean, it's, it's a cool part of Harry Potter, not something they should have brought in, not something they did bring in, but they, they took what was cool out of that concept of a school for, for sorcerers, sorceresses, and so forth. They pulled in the relevant aspects of the DC universe, and there were a ton of cool Easter eggs and references and whatnot in here that I really enjoyed, and I'm not even going to claim I got all of them. I'm sure there's some that I missed, because I'm not as well-steeped in the mystical side of the DC universe as uh, as I could be, because frankly, some of that goes back to like the 60s and 70s and, and stuff like that. But I found this to be an exceedingly fun read. I thought that the extra page count really helped it out. It gave it more room to kind of grow and expand. I think if this had been kind of cut in half or down to, to regular issue size, it would have been um, it would have been disappointing. It wouldn't have been enough. So I'm not crazy about the bi-monthly format, but the longer page count worked out well, so we'll see how that goes. I do question the concept again of a retcon, not so much as just how to start a story. I, I think that was actually kind of cool. But do we need to retcon the DC Universe right now? I mean, it's it's already a little kind of in flux, I would argue, with what's going on with with Rebirth and whatever, um, but I'm okay with it given that this was a, a solid read. Yeah, and yeah, and I think it fits in a, a definitely a corner of DC that you can probably get away with doing some things um, there that maybe you you wouldn't in a in say a Batman book or something. Um, I was I was thinking the same thing about uh, well, why don't they just you know split this in half and you know around page twenty six or so, and that's right where Plop we first meet Plop. And uh, mm-hmm. there's kind of a reveal of one of the characters' powers sets, and that's not a that wouldn't have been a bad place to stop, but it wouldn't have been a great. But but to your point, it wouldn't have been a great place to stop, and it would have been just okay up to that point. Whereas having this extra story really pulls you in and gets you excited for it. Um, uh, I, I I do question what I if what I remember in two months. Um. Uh, going into the this next chapter, but this chapter itself was so much fun, and yeah, I felt I felt a Harry Potter vibe and um, the new the all the all the younger characters and introducing um, and getting to know them was was lots of fun. And I have my theory on on who the who the bad bad guy might be, and and it, it's it really sets a stage for for what we're going to get um, and. I think this was a, a really cool book, and um, I'm glad I'm glad we we got a chance to read it. So, who do you think the uh, the malevolence is? I think it's the kid with the diamond in his turban. Really, you think it's uh, Sargon the Sorcerer? Yeah, who I believe that is. Yeah. Okay, definite possibility. Well, it's one uh, of five, my- right? It's got to be one of those five. No, actually, I don't think it does. Oh, okay. I was I, I was playing inside the parameters of of what what they were laying out there but yeah i guess it could be the person who's a- accusing them of being one of the five and maybe we should just kill them all so at that the beginning guy. rose and zatanna kind of do the the seven year rewind i'm gonna say it takes them out of the running yes so zatanna's off free and clear rose psychic who's kind of the sidekick of dr occult is looking at trying to investigate this so i don't think it's her or dr occult 
on the last page, we get kind of the, well, which of it is it? And we got our five leads of um, June Moon, who's the Enchantress, who's in Suicide Squad these days. And there's something about her look that keeps reminding me of Nico from One Aways. And I'm not quite sure and what she, it is about that. And she was a delight. She was a delightful character in this. Really Probably interesting. Probably one of the best uses of the character that I've read. Yeah, I, I really thought she was well-rounded and interesting and a lot of facets to her and uh, I really I really liked her. I thought I thought she was great. Well, and like the flip between June and the Enchantress I thought was really well done in a couple of scenes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um one of the other ones as you mentioned is Sargon, so that's that's your pick. We've got uh Sebastian Faust who's the son of Felix Faust who's a JLA villain. Mm-hmm. Um and then we've got what's the other girl's name? I'm I'm blanking on that at the moment. Um yeah, I don't know. She's the one I couldn't get the most, uh, the, uh, a really good handle on there. Uh, Morales is the last name. I'm trying to think when and where they gave the first name. She was the one that was with the hipster when he got swallowed and his hat was all that was left. Yeah, she's the so. one that had like the, the funky goo or whatever. Um, so I'm not sure what's up with that. I think, though, it's Plop. Yeah. Because he's new to the school and he doesn't seem to be one of the ones they're focusing on. So I think that we were being led to believe it was one of these other fives that Hannah included, uh, and I don't, I don't think it is. Now we'll find out in, you know, what four months' time or some such. And because he was formed out of basically the detritus <laughs> of some of the various, the various students, I guess, and the stuff that went down the drain and the magic that coalesced there. Is that my understanding of where he comes from? It's hard to tell how much of that is how much and something else was just kind of in the pipes. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I like that there's a mystery to kind of, you know, theorize about or to speculate on. That's always cool. There's plenty of material in here. Just uh, if you like kind of the mystical, magical corner of the DC universe and the one that kind of butts up on the edge of, of what had been Vertigo. And they're pulling in characters that are hardcore DC Characters such as Cain and Abel from House of Mystery and House of Secrets, these are also the kinds of characters that tended to veer off into the Vertigo stuff once Vertigo was around. So this is a, a side of the edge of the DC universe they don't really explore necessarily all that much all that often. We had, what was it, uh, Demon Knights and uh, what was the, the replacement title in the New 52? We've had a few others that are dealing with, with some of this stuff. Um but I loved just even tiny cameos of, like, the demon, Frankenstein, um, and some of the other mystical characters over the years of uh, at DC. Weren't some of these characters in Justice League Dark, at least as uh, players, maybe not featured heroes? But Absolutely, they, in and some out. of them were. Yeah, and, um, and the house definitely was. The house definitely was, but yeah. it originated with either House of Mystery or House of Secrets. I forget which one they were in. But like uh, Xanadu, uh, Merlin, um, Baron Winters, uh, some of these go back decades and just haven't had a whole lot of room mm-hmm. to, to get showcased. And I thought this was a, a really good job with them. It was a lot of fun. It was terrific art, as I would expect. My only real question on this is why could they not have waited maybe – two more months to release it to where this would have come out when issue two comes out, two would have come out a month later, three would come out when three would come out. I mean, it's probably easier on, on retailers to, to, you know, have only one on kind of pre-order at a time or whatever. So I get that. And with a five ninety nine price tag, that's probably a smart move. 
but I think a lot of it for me is going to come down to when I read the second issue, how much of this issue do I remember? Yeah. Was um, Supergirl being super also bi-monthly? That was the same kind of number of pages and format, I think. I think it might have been. Yeah. It must have been a little more successful than I remember sales-wise. Maybe they just decided to, to go back to the well. Um, another fun part was uh, I really like Zatanna's origin, which, uh, you know, stuff with her dad. Uh, I thought that was great. And I didn't how know f- that. I didn't know that story. How familiar are you with Zatanna? Uh, her interacting with Constantine and his book and the Justice League Dark stuff. Okay. Because back in like the 70s or whatever, she showed up in a number of different titles asking various Justice Leaguers for help finding her dad. So that would have taken place after what she does here, but obviously before the current day or whatever, if it happened at all in this universe, which yeah. of course is open to question. But then that's kind of what led into her becoming a member of the Justice League. She'd already worked with half the team or whatever by yeah. that point. So I thought that was a nice kind of subtle callback. And what I loved is they had a lot of these Easter eggs, a lot of these, oh, there's some other stuff, but not to the point of, oh my God, it's nothing but Easter eggs, or I don't get it, I'm lost. Um, and again, pulling in plop surprised the heck out of me. That was the name of a humor series DC published in the mid seventies. Oh, okay. And the basic thing was they could have called it anything. And if it's good, people would buy it. Uh, according to the Wikipedia page, I don't think I've got a single issue of plop. I don't remember it, but I think Sergio Argones was one of the people connected to it. Okay. So okay. couldn't have been bad. Now the spell that Zatanna and Rose, uh, did that did the the seven year rewind and allowed Rose to remember, but Zatanna not to. Is that the first instance of that you've ever seen in DC, or is is that something that they've gone to the well before on? This sort of with the mystics doing a time rewind. Yes, that I don't think I've seen before, but an in continuity retcon like this, I've definitely seen before. But it was interesting; it had a uniqueness to it because R- Rose could maintain her memories. But yet Zatanna could not and didn't didn't have any. So it was an interesting way to do that jump. And well, the other thing that was kind of cool with that is Rose and Dr. Occult share a body, which if you noticed at the beginning, Dr. Occult is dying and then Rose kind of replaces him there. Oh, okay. And then later when we get uh, Rose in, I guess, the headmaster's office or whatever, having a conversation, she's talking to Dr. Occult. But he's in a mirror, so she's looking at her reflection and seeing him. Oh, I did not nice pick up on that. S- yeah, it was subtle. It was really well done. Um, and that's one of the things where uh, Norton, as an artist, is his stuff tends to have a little bit more kind of that acting kind of a thing with the characters. And there's uh, a little bit more subtleness in some of the stuff that you can kind of miss over. You don't necessarily lose out on the story, but you may miss a little tidbit that you get more out of if you catch, if you know what I mean. He's never unclear with the storytelling, but there's sometimes a bit more to to gain if you pay a little bit more attention, a a higher level to the story or something like that. And um, I thought it was a lot of fun. I definitely recommend this. For me, this was a solid A, and I'm excited to see the the mystical characters finally used properly in the DC universe after, frankly, decades of them being kind of relegated over just to the the Vertigo area. Yeah, a a wonderful writing, um, and the art is lovely, and the characters are all fun and interesting, and 
uh, is an A for me, and I recommend it. Uh, something to check out. Cool. Shall we move over to our Marvel book? Yeah. This is X-Men Blue number one. It is part of the Crosstime Capers. 16. 16, yeah, sorry. It's part one of Crosstime Tapers, Capers. It's number 16 of X-Men Blue. This is one of those, they go to the legacy stuff and they didn't bother pulling in all the numbering from uh, what was uh, Young X-Men or, yeah, All New X-Men. All New X-Men, yeah. When they, they brought these characters back. Why not? When I... Yeah, whatever. It's it's so confusing with the numbering. So when I got to the previously on page, I'm going through it, and I'm like, well, this is this is kind of interesting, because I'm looking at the side where they've got the roll call of characters. Nice when they do that. That way you can kind of go into the story knowing who's who, if for some reason you don't. But Bloodstorm is mentioned in the previously in, but isn't on the roll call. Well, that's, that's an odd, you know, kind of uh, uh, oversight or whatever. Oh, I guess she's not going to be in this issue. Okay, that would make sense, whatever. Flip the page, and I don't think it was the first scene, but this, uh, another page flip, boom, there she is. Man, she needs a better agent. She's not even getting mentioned there on the front. <laughs> this is where some of my stories, or not my stories, my, my questions about the story just, just got voluminous. Because she's from another timeline. But in this scene, she's implying that she still has a psychic link with Dracula. Yeah. Well, wait a sec. If she's from another timeline, wouldn't that psychic link be with the, uh, the Dracula of that other timeline? And if not, I mean, it shouldn't exist. If it, I'm not even sure if the other timeline exists, to be honest. I, I I don't think so. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But shouldn't if she still has the psychic link, wouldn't it be with the Dracula of this timeline? And if so, I'm kind of wondering what he thinks of that. Because from his point of view, two, three issues ago of this title, he's, he's fine. He's got whatever he's got psychic links to. And then, bam, she shows up. And he would now have a psychic link to somebody he's never met. I don't know. It just, it was puzzling. Um, I also thought that she happened to see the world in shades of red like Cyclops. It's like, how many parallels do we need to draw here? Both have been X-Men team leaders, both have been this, both have been that. It just, it was feeling very heavy-handed. And then we, we start getting things happening with uh, characters popping out of existence, time-changing or whatever. And I was just, frankly, getting more and more perplexed. Because, I'll admit, I am unclear if these young X-Men are from the main timeline or not. I think we've seen very, very clear incontrovertible evidence both ways. And the title's selling in the, I don't know, 40 to 50k range, so ending the run in favor of a better-selling X title? Not out of the question. But we've seen solicits for an arc after this with these characters, so it's not like I think they're actually going to put these characters back in time and and go in some other direction with X-Men Blue. So I don't really know where they're going of, of is time changing or not. Um, and I, I, the title is a riff on an Excalibur storyline that was a lot of fun when that team spent, I'm going to say eight or nine issues bouncing around time and encountering different characters from both different points in time and different timelines. It was a lot of fun, but so was all of Excalibur. This is just a lot of teen angst X-Men stuff in both good ways and bad. And it's one of those things that by the time it got to the end, I'm like, you're doing some interesting stuff here. I don't know where you're going. I don't know if you guys know where you're going as a company with these characters. And then we, we end up with a tease of, of X-Men 2099 characters, which is cool. Haven't seen them in ages. Are we going to get them for more than an issue or two? Do I want them for more than an issue or two? Don't know. I thought this was good, but it felt a little kind of all over the place. And frankly... If you're a fan of the original five X-Men, you're reading this book. If you're not, 
there other X-Men books to be reading? Um, I'll be honest, I'd be a little hard pressed at the moment as to say which one I would really recommend. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I, this might be the best one. I'd argue Weapon X. Oh, okay. Okay. But it's, it's, it's unclear to me. Yeah, I enjoyed, uh, All New X-Men a lot. And I keep hoping that this kind of recaptures some of that. And, and, um, I had, I mean, I have dropped off it and, hop back on and when, when new story arcs appear and, and give it another shot. And um, it, it's not quite the same. It, it doesn't have that same fun. And um, this is the same Cyclops that's in champions, right? The young Cyclops that's in here. Yes. It's just so, it's so, so differently executed in the artist's mind on, on how young this kid should be. And, all these kids should be younger than they are, I think. But um, it, it, it that that kind of bothers me, and and that that should not happen. But um, you know, we, we've had these discussions before, and I, I've got to get over my Cyclops uh, drawing problems. <laughs> and, you know, I, I find on. it interesting that that sort of a thing, different artists' interpretations of a character, really seems to throw you a bit. But you're so. Uh, easy going on is this in continuity? Is is this not? I must be separate continuities. I know it, it's, it doesn't make it's sense. Like what phases you doesn't phase me, and vice versa. It's it's, it's <laughs> not right or wrong. Just um, it does confuse me at times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I um, yeah, I, I can just go. Oh well, comics with some things, but not not when I in my mind I think this these should be younger looking people. And I hate it when they're not. And uh, but yeah, this doesn't doesn't have that same fun that the the all new X Men did. And it, the, these characters are this was okay. Um, but yeah, I, I did I didn't get the same enjoyment out of it that I would that I want from a an X book of of these of young characters that should be should be more fun. They should be more fun like Mystic U characters should be. Yeah, it should be a little lighthearted. And I felt the storytelling could have and should have been a little clearer. Like a page or two before the end, we get kind of the lightning storm over that time machine that uh, that Magneto somehow magically created. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it gets wiped out of existence. It no longer exists or something. I, it was I, I couldn't tell where it was going or wh- where they were going with that page. How about how about that? Um, because I think what we had seen elsewhere when uh, cure- characters kind of vanished and stuff as if they'd been wiped from time, it didn't look that way. Yeah. It was an inconsistent with the story, inconsistent uh, approach to the visual storytelling style that, that confused me a little. Um, and, yeah. And a lot of this, you know, Colin Bunn writes a lot of stuff. Um, and, yeah. And he's a, he's a well-employed writer in the comics world. And he writes for multiple publishers and has a lot of titles spinning at any given time. And um, I think sometimes that was to his detriment and some of his stories feel like they're a little surfacey and um, just getting from point A to point B. And uh, you know, there, there was some fun stuff in here, but uh, not enough to really, really latch onto really get a sense for um, which, which characters we should be caring about and, what should be driving us forward into the next issue. And um, it's just, it just didn't quite, didn't quite hit. Yeah. That's very much how I felt. It wasn't bad, but there was an aspect of, it was a little hard to connect to some of it. 
a little unclear on some of the storytelling and it was, I didn't dislike it, but I wasn't as sucked into it and pulled into it as I felt I should have been. Um, I wasn't excited by it either. Yeah. And I think this had all the kind of things that, that could have and should have made me think, wow, I can't wait to the next issue. Um, I'm going to go with a, a C plus on this. Um, and I, I really don't think it's the best example of uh, Colin Bunn's work. Um, I'd have to go look at other stuff by this artist, uh, uh, Tony Salas. To, to again, his name's not ringing any bells with me. I'm sure I've sure I've seen and read lots of his work, um, and I'm sure some of it's better. This was okay. There were a few places the visual stuff, uh, the art could have and should have been clearer or better. And this isn't the best use of these characters. Yeah, um, that's too bad. It's the start of a story arc that I don't. I don't feel like I need to to finish. Um, uh, the the X Men twenty ninety nine uh, reveal was okay, but it, it wasn't wasn't that exciting for me. Um, and the the whole thing was was a little lackluster. I, I, I'm going to give it an average grade and, and go with the C. This is one of those cases where I think my attitude on this story would have been different if it was coming out monthly as presumably a six-part story versus however many parts it is and two uh, two issues a month, because I've seen solicits for the next arc. If I hadn't, I would at least be thinking, well, maybe they are going to put these characters back in time and kind of wrap it up or something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So there's no stakes for you at all. None. None whatsoever. And they've been wishy-washy as to if these characters are younger versions of the X-Men we're with or not. Because at one point, one of them almost, I think a Cyclops almost died and the older Cyclops vanished. And people are like, oh, what happened there? Oh, well, we've revived Cyclops. Older Cyclops is now back. But then they've done other things to, to very clearly show that, nope, these aren't the ones that are the younger versions of our timeline. So I have no idea what's going on there. And frankly, they've played this out for so long. I'm now just assuming that these are effectively natives of this time period. Um, it's, yeah, we'll see what happens. Some of us will. I don't know if you will. I will. I will not. I will not. Well, I'll check out that that next story arc that is solicited. That <laughs> so where nothing actually happens in this one that matters. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Shall we move on to our other book? Yeah. This is Sword of Ages number one from IDW, and this is written by Gabriel Rodriguez. Uh, art by him too. Yes. 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 He, yes. Writing, illustrating. Uh, doing everything but the uh, the colors and the letters. Uh, this Usually a red flag. <laughs> this was billed as uh, kind of like an Arthurian tale in space or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this first page I thought was, okay, this is fun. This is interesting. Uh, then second page, it's like we, we flip over from a comic story to an illustrated story. Tons of captions, lots of exposition. And that only goes for a page or two, but then we go back to comic story, and my god, these characters are so talkative. I mean, there's paragraphs in these word balloons. And I don't know if I just got worn out early in this story, but it's so verbose. It's so uh, expository. It's so yeah. wordy that I, 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 I was tuning out. They've got the, uh, you know how I complain about Christopher Priest and how, like, on every page, of, first page of a new scene, a panel's devoted to kind of a tag for the, the, the scene? Yeah, yes, it was saying or whatever, yeah. And here we're getting the on the road, the Elder Guardians, and it's in the gutter, but it's the same idea. You know, gathering adventurers, as if it is the 
uh, the slug line for the scene. Now, on the one hand, that's kind of cool and convenient because you could then presumably take all of those and realize there's just not that many story beats here or that many scenes or whatever. But it just it it didn't work for me. Well, you'd think with all that extra stuff in there that it would be a really clear and easy to understand story that you could easily follow. And it probably was for you. But I, as I was reading it, I got almost to the end. And I'm like, wait a minute. What happened to the family in the spaceship? And so I had to go back and read the, read it from the beginning again. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's who this girl is, I guess. She just grew the up was with the unborn daughter. That was the unborn daughter that we never saw in the spacecraft. Yes. And, and, she, and then she was talking to animals for a while. And then, uh, yeah, then there were some raids. And I don't know who's good and who's bad. And, uh, oh, you know, we've got uh, slave, uh, slave master monkeys. And it's it's kind of wacky. And, and, and it's not really wacky in fun way. It's wacky and kind of a, there's an awful lot of moving parts here that I, I don't really know what where we're going and it doesn't it just didn't come together in some kind of story where i can wrap my my mind around what i should like here i would agree and particularly having seen uh because it was on the slack channel uh interview about this on how it's an arthurian tale in space and all that and so i didn't really read the the articles i, I scanned they had a nice little trailer for the comic i thought that was kind of cool but even though there's tons of setup here, I wasn't really seeing the King Arthur aspect no. to this. No, none at all. I mean, presumably the girl is the Arthurian equivalent. Ooh, I don't know about the Excalibur or any of the other stuff. I mean, I'm cool with an Arthur, King Arthur in space kind of retelling. I loved Camelot 3000 back in the day, and I recommend that. Uh, Brian Bolin, I'm blanking. Mike W. Barr was the writer, maybe? I could be wrong on that. I don't remember. I should have looked it up. Uh, brilliant series. If you haven't read it, it came out, uh, mid eighties and there were some delays near the end, like about a year or so on that 12th issue. So by the time it came out, cause I was working at a store at the time, by the time it came out, people were like, what is this 12th issue? I haven't heard of this title before. It's, oh yeah, well, it's, it's a great title, but it, this was before egregious lateness was kind of an, uh, industry acceptable thing. Mike Barr. Uh, Mike Barr. I was, I was, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, Brilliant stuff. Highly recommend it. This is that's that's kind of where my head was at when I heard Arthurian in space. I mean, I wasn't expecting it to be as good because I thought that was a pretty high bar, no pun intended. Uh, but this just didn't work for me. I didn't connect with the story. I don't know what was going on. If you quizzed me after I read this as to you know, okay, what were the high points? Who are the main characters? How do you see the parallels and stuff to to King Arthur or whatever? If if there even are any, I I would not have done well on a pop quiz on this. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't think it was um, a well-executed story. Um, art's okay; it's 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 pretty solid, but um, art's art's fine. It's but but the story kind of is lacking. Um, this is the artist from Lock and Key, I guess. Is that right? Uh, I thought it was the creator of co-creator. Co-creator. Yeah, so I don't know if he was. I can't remember if he was the artist or the writer. I'm guessing artist. Writer, artist. Uh, uh. The way they have it in the solicit, courtesy of writer, artist, lock and key co-creator, Gabriel Rodriguez. Yeah, so you could lean either way. Um, but yeah, lock and key is much better. Um, this is uh, um, not great. Uh, it's not horrible. I mean, it is. It is have some some nice art in it, but characters that uh, interact and you're not really sure who's who. And um, it, it's not enough of a hook to say 
yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta see where this goes next. And I, most of us are to the point where we need something in a first issue that says, this is why this is awesome. And this is why you should go seek out the next, the next issue and, and put on your pull list. Uh, don't wait for the trade. You must read this because it's so awesome. Um, I don't even want to wait for the trade on this. I, I don't, I don't care. Uh, it had a chance. It had its chance and it, uh, it didn't stick the landing and um, most of the flight was bumpy. <laughs> so uh, yeah, for me, for me, I, I, I don't recommend this and, and I'm around a, a D plus. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, I'm at a, a C minus on this. I think a lot of what you say is, is right on the money. Um, it's not one that I'm thinking, wow, I've got to get more of. Uh, it's also not one I would say, oh my God, you've got to avoid at all costs. While it didn't work particularly well for me, uh, the art is good. I see some merits in it, but it's one of those that um, it's it's certainly not one I would say go seek out. But I've also got the second issue on pre-order, and it's a five-issue miniseries, so I've got to make the decision, do I just carry it through or do I stop? And... At this point, I'm probably not going to pre-order. I'll read the second one when it comes, but unless that one is just really works for me, I, I don't see the point in continuing this for the five issues. I'm surprised your OCD allows you to do that. <laughs> I am surprised you don't you don't have a tipping point where eh, if it's under six issues and I've already pre-ordered two, I, I go ahead and get them all. I, I did say I'd have to make the decision, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, I don't know where the OCD is going to weigh, uh, weigh in on this one. I'm not it saying you have OCD, a, but... <laughs> no, I'm not saying I don't. I don't think you wind up with uh, 64,000 comics plus... <laughs> without a little. Uh, w- without a little of that, or a lot of that, even. <laughs> um, It's, again, very pretty art. Uh, if, if the concept is to do a King Arthur kind of a slant in space, that concept is cool. Yeah. It's just, and part of it is, by the time I got to this, I'd already read Mystic U, which was an oversized book. I'd read X-Men Blue, which was a little, where the hell are they going with this? Uh, so by the time I hit a fairly wordy issue for, for this last one, it may have just been that I was, I was just kind of, kind of tired and worn out or something. But I don't really think on a rereading of this, I'm going to think, wow, I really misjudged it on the first pass. Yeah. Because uh, I've had that happen. I think when I reread, uh, what was it, that uh, Stargate Atlantis uh, comic, after rewatching right. um, yeah. the ending of it, it's like, wow, this was a completely different read. It worked for me. And I'm sure if I go back to uh, Doomsday Clock number one, knowing going in, hey, it's a Watchman number 13, essentially, or v- Watchman V2 number one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd have a different attitude on that. It is. It is. It is all very mood related and a state of mind and and. Just how what what we're what we're in the mood for, I think, at the time too. That, that all plays into it. Yeah, but at this point, I don't see Sword of Ages as is something for me that I need to continue with. But it's one of those things. If it's part of a uh, a bundle or some such on on the order I do, maybe that'll get it. Maybe not. Don't know. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for listening to John Mayo and I review a DC, a Marvel, and a other publishers book we do that each and every week if you enjoyed that and uh, check back here and you can also check out john's podcast the weekly comic spotlight check him out at the uh 
the comic book page website. Thank you guys for listening. Drew signing off.